0: I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace.
1: I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday,
0: a brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church.
1: We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, friends. Good
2: morning, Mitchell. Hello, Phil. Why, hello, everybody.
1: There was a, a big announcement at the church last night, wasn't there, Phil?
0: Yeah, your dad's joining That's Awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Keith is joining the staff. No doubt, that is awesome. Oh, you
0: meant you meant the book club. Is that what you right? Mean? Yeah, the book club. The yeah. book
1: club. Yeah. That is going to be a really there good were lots book. of big
0: announcements. There yeah. were, and but no, we are so excited, Phil, that you're joining us. I'm it's
1: going to be awesome. Yeah, we're stoked. I'm thrilled. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, oh
2: my! <laughs> sorry about that. Just, nope. Not really sure what's happening. It's the work
1: at home life.
2: That's yeah. right.
0: Totally. What, what mugs are we my, drinking
1: out of today?
2: Oh, good call.
0: What mugs? Okay, so I was gonna say though, be sure to explain it because this does not translate well over the auditory only podcast. When y'all oh, were like, good. "Oh, that's a pretty mug," I was like, "Huh, interesting. I have it, no idea what they're looking at."
2: It was are you pretty talking about my head. <laughs> it's really pretty mug you got going on there. <laughs> Phil has
1: yes, a coffee totally. cup uh, with hearts. On
2: the Le Sonoma Love Is Love Human oh, Rights nice. Campaign. Nice, nice,
0: nice. Very good. But, Mitchell, what about Just you? Just the
1: standard issued Yeti.
0: Very good. I like that color. Yeah. I like that teal color. That's very yeah. really
1: pretty. Drinking really good coffee. My friends, uh, my really good friends from Connecticut, Gabby and VJ sent me um, as a little congrats. They sent us a bunch of really good craft beer and um, some really good coffee, and I have not even taken a sip of it yet. So I am excited. To see what this uh, kinetic coffee is all about.
2: Something about that first sip is just, you know. I know, so
1: good. Isn't that it's
0: some? Good. Isn't that some company's ad campaign like the first sip feeling or something like that?
1: Folgers probably. I'd probably okay. Folgers.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no. Speaking of big announcements, though, Mitchell, congrats to you and your family. Yeah,
1: seriously. Oh yeah.
0: We yeah. haven't really, because you were out last week. You took a you took a weekend just to be with your family, so yep. we haven't. Really yep. gotten to tell you that. Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. We're excited. Uh baby number two in October. So it's a it's a strange time, I think, to go through these milestones in life. Oh, I yeah, know like sure. job changes, uh, moving, uh, you know, I think all the things that people are doing, ending school, graduation, it's just a strange thing, you know, and I'm not allowed to like attend um Eli's doctor's appointments right now. So like that's strange and it's just uh, it's a weird time, but we are grateful that we have a healthy baby and so far and um, we're we're excited. We're debating the names right now (laughs) amongst other things we are debating and this balancing. I don't know how y'all are doing, but uh, you know, the balancing of two full time jobs is becoming um, really stressful in our house y'all feeling that?
0: Phil, how are you holding up?
2: Well, so it's, it's strange, right? Because I've kind of been in this in-between position for a while now. Oh, hold on. You, why don't you talk, Rebecca? I'm going to mute for a second.
0: <laughs> I think that says it all right there, actually. I think that was the the answer we needed. Um, you know, honestly, Jeff and I were, were talking, um, we, we do feel very fortunate and blessed. Um, we've both been working full-time from home, but, uh, Number one, the way our house is laid out, and number two, just the way that, you know, our family functions. Uh, we have a, we have a teenager, and so she's totally self-sufficient, right? She, um, she yeah. gets all of her work done. I mean, school's out now, but when it, when it was, she would get all of her work done, you know, stay up late, sleep until two, kind of just do her own thing. And, um, the evening times were really just like what we had to be careful of. Cause with what we do, all three of us, we understand that evenings are when we work because other people are off so that's when we have like the leadership meeting Mm -hmm. and i have my choir zoom check-in and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff so there is a balancing act of finding family time because you've been at home all day but you haven't really connected totally you know what i mean
1: definitely yeah it's so it's, I am thinking about all everyone who's trying to balance whether whether are they, kids obviously um, that changes things but um, but just balancing two full time working schedules at in, in the same space I think is hard and um, yeah and and you also need like alone time but you can't really seem to get it without it just being so obvious. Like I am going yeah. to go in the back room now and I'm right. gonna go in our bedroom I, and play my switch and you're going to go watch your weird flower show on Netflix, you know?
0: <laughs> A weird flower show. Oh um, man, that
1: flower show, everyone's into it. I, I it's, I, it's I,
0: very odd. I've, I I found it to be so
1: to... boring.
0: Well, I I wasn't bored, but it was just kind of weird to me. I, I need to give it another try. Um but yeah, I was gonna say like Jeff and I were talking, I tend to be, I'm pretty close to the center as far as like introvert, extrovert, but I mm-hmm. tend more toward extrovert and he definitely tends toward introvert. So we were trying to find that balance of, you know, for me being home together is not the same as quality time with, right. and for him being home, but apart is not the same as alone time. So it's kind of the <laughs> the worst of both worlds for, sure. for us. For sure.
1: <laughs> Bill, how are you holding up at home?
2: yeah, so this is a good morning getting things going again. Um, <laughs> so school did just end, which was gonna change our whole schedules, but that's we left last week and went to Colorado and New Mexico for for the week, um, which was a really great getaway and just I think good for us. but now it's kind of like starting all over again because there's no schedule of school and um, I thought things were going well this morning, but apparently things are exploding in our house, and it's totally. Yeah. Welcome well. to summer of 2020, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, summer. And and Jesse, my wife, works in school districts, and so she's off this summer as well. Um, so it's yeah, it's we we've been okay. Um, we had help from my in laws for most of those last two months, and they just went back to Colorado. So um, that's also a new norm as will We don't have help anymore, and so there's no one like my mother in law basically cooked us dinner almost every night oh. while she was here, which was just like the best gift ever. So. Um, that's, that's just figuring out meal Good, you know? yeah.
1: Right? Just figuring out how to cook. Figure well, out how to cook again and yeah, feed three children. Totally, and
2: it takes an hour for them to eat breakfast. I'm like, what? just put food in your mouth. Like, so.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> what I uh, it is summer, and it's. I think it's strange. That's one of the the really there are a couple of things that mark summer i think culturally for us you know it's memorial day it's kind of like okay we're, we're we're entering the summer months uh for the church it's always been pentecost right it's like the last high holy big liturgical sunday before we kind of go into the dregs of ordinary time if if we're we're on a lectionary calendar um, there really isn't a high holy Sunday, although uh, unfortunately a lot of churches think that's July 4th, really until we get back until the fall, right? I mean, I'm trying to think what's the next. Well, ne- it's
0: actually, it's way past that. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 um, all because since? world, world communion, world communion is yeah. not technically considered a high holy day. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites and I think it's an important celebration, right. but yeah, the next, the next truly high holy day is all saints in November. And then you get to the the year end for Christians, right? Because right. Advent represents the beginning of our new year. It's not yep. January first; right. it's the first Sunday of Advent. So,
2: is Trinity Sunday next Sunday though? I know it's not technically a high holy day, but uh, it?
1: yes, it is. I think it's the like
2: Ascension, Pentecost, Trinity, Trinity,
1: Trinity Sunday. Yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, because
0: you finally have the the three entities mm-hmm. of right. the Trinity ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah, so yesterday was Pentecost, um, Pentecost Sunday, and you know, I, I just as as we've talked about, Mitchell, we even talked about in our chat at the beginning of worship. Pentecost is one of the most powerful um, liturgical Sundays for me, and specifically, what what struck me. I always take notes during worship service, and um, I wrote this down, like. The middle hymn, Living Spirit, Holy Fire, we've sung many times. Mm -hmm. Some people may be more familiar with it than others, but um, I don't know. So I chose the hymns yesterday. We had 4,000 Tongues, which is is... number one, just kind of quintessentially Methodist, but Mm -hmm. also very fitting for Pentecost. But then Living Spirit, Holy Fire speaks to more of the complexities of Pentecost, of being open to God's Spirit moving in ways that we can't necessarily name but we want to be open to Mm -hmm. um it talks about the spirit burning bright talks about removing the masks that we wear so like purifying fire fire that lights the way all these different kinds of um holy spirit showing up and so something that is important to me too in this hymn is there's what called a, there's what's called a counter melody um which means that if if we had a congregation singing or even if we had like a choir singing there would actually be two equal melodies that show up in verses three and four which obviously i couldn't do because try as i might i can't sing two things at once um you can't but under i can't i've tried i really have uh but underneath it there comes in this this hymn uh hymn within a hymn and they're singing veni Sancte spiritus which means come holy spirit um and you just sing this repetitive kind of drone almost of veni sancta spiritus underneath the english lyrics mm-hmm. um and this counter melody it's oh it's so gorgeous it's i can't wait to be back together so we can sing that you know in its true form but that's what yesterday was for me was a A worship service full of counter melodies because we were honoring this very kind of liturgical traditional Pentecost but we were also honoring very much the the modern Mm -hmm. societal needs and the pain that we were feeling from current events does that make sense
1: yeah
2: yeah I think it's a beautiful like layering there right I think that's a really great way of looking at that and I thought that I think we talked maybe Mitchell whenever we did the podcast two weeks ago that like Pentecost is my favorite holidays. And I thought that what a a crazy and weird Sunday to try to like, I'm going to say celebrate Pentecost. Right. But I really felt like that's what the service did was it balanced both the, like you were saying, the historical and just this liturgical holiday and weighing it with the the heaviness and uh, all that's going on in cities across the the country our country. And, you know, the the riots and the and the protests and just all this like there was just so much to hold together in one worship service and that and it was it was just counter melody it was just i thought it was really incredible and so whenever you said that this morning i was like oh my gosh like that's you that's nailing it like it's exactly what i felt yesterday during
0: worship Yeah. yeah yeah and it's more to me it's more important to like not to you know to to allow the holy spirit to be bigger than we want her to be Right. And so we are we are celebrating the the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're also admitting that that kind of terrifies us. Right. It's this it's this groaning of any song spirit who's come Holy Spirit. But when the spirit shows up, we're like, whoa, this is real crazy. I do not know what to do with all of this.
1: It's just nice to have a story in Scripture that if there was one that could contain it all because it can barely contain itself. And in fact, you can make an argument that Pentecost is so wheels off that like there's space for so many different interpretations and you can go with the text in a totally, you know, unique ways. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, whether we're singing about it or we're just kind of describing it or we're praying um, for its presence, like there is this beautiful, like just messiness to the story too, that I think like allows for what's happening in the world to like slide in and, and feel like a companion to the text. And, um, and I think that that's just the unique nature of, um, of how things align for us as a people of faith. Like sometimes we just need the scripture, the liturgy, the hymns to hold what we can't hold. And, um, and I think yesterday is a good example of that happening. Like it was hard to hold everything, but we didn't have to do it. We didn't have to create to the space to do it. The, the hymns and and liturgy and the liturgical calendar did that for us.
2: It's funny how the liturgical calendar sometimes just really matches up better than any sermon series you could ever plan.
1: Right. Totally. Yeah.
0: It was I am heavy. often uh, awed by the lectionary and the liturgical calendar, and that's why, you know, to get super nerdy, right? That's Sorry. that's why I study what I do is that I think that liturgy is not containing actually. It's not um, constricting. I think a lot of people have the misinterpretation of, oh, you just have to follow the rules. You just have to choose Uh these four scriptures and you don't have any choice. But it's actually much more freeing because you see how generations of liturgical scholars and Christians and leaders and ordinary people have allowed the Holy Spirit to move through them. And all of these layers Uh really do so much more than any one person could do, right? It's, It's me bowing to the... The wisdom of my ancestors in mm-hmm. a sense
1: mm-hmm.
2: well and, and it means work of the people right so how cool that right on a day such as yesterday like the liturgy to the work of the people you know in the streets and um in the church service i mean just yeah it's a really cool
0: mm. collection Phil, of- i love that like the work of the people in the streets right mm-hmm. when people yeah. are when when the powers just assumed the disciples were full of nonsense, full of alcohol specifically when people, when they assumed the worst Mm -hmm. and they overlooked the Holy spirit showing up
1: there. Yeah. I just, it doesn't mean that, that, that everything is holy, right? It just means that the spirit was amongst the, the profane right and i think like that's a really good reminder for us too like liturgy is the work of the people imperfect people by the way like it's yeah. it's imperfect work but it is the work of the people and um and so i i'm trying to make sense of what i see out in the world you know and i'm like I, um, like I said, my sermon, I'm, I'm reserving judgment and I'm trying to at least. And, you know, there are parts of what's happening on the streets that, that give me, um, you know, that, that are hard to watch and hard to justify, uh, as a, as a white man. Um, but I also recognize that, that, that God's voice and the whole, the Holy spirit like is present out there as well. And, and what do we do with that? And I think that's a complicated thing for for uh, white folks is to to figure out is how do we um, how do we trust that God's moving in those spaces, too, when it feels um, counterproductive to burn buildings? Mm. You know, it feels counterproductive. I'm not going to say it is counterproductive, but from a privileged perspective, you're like, hmm, that seems odd. But then you tap into the rage and the anger and you're like, no, it makes total sense. I mean, remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee and everyone lost their minds? Yeah, They they like literally went berserk. And you're like, well, we were there were folks just kneeling, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time. And I don't know. It's just neat to think of the spirit being present in that and comforting in some ways, you know. At least for me, it's comforting.
0: Mitchell, I, I think. What you said, too, is God speaks in the forgotten vernacular. Um, Yeah, the vernacular of
1: the forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the
0: vernacular of nobodies. Right. Um, Yeah. 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 Totally. So I I really loved what you said. I think that it's a good reminder to me, to us, to so many people that I know and love of this reserving judgment. Right. It's so easy to say, well, I don't agree with this, but I do agree with that. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make my poster, whatever side I'm on, I'm going to hold it up and. Just this, this continual calling back to the spirit to say, I don't know very much. God, what are you trying to tell me?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a humbling, a humbling experience in the midst of that.
1: So I think, you know, the balance between what's happening in the world and the season of the church, the The good news is that like, really, um, every season in the church speaks into pain, I think, and suffering and hope and redemption. Like we don't have um, different novels, right? This is pretty tied together. Like we could make an argument that Advent would also be an appropriate season for us to layer over what's happening in the world or Lent, certainly, right? Or Easter. Well, I mean, so like we... We do have a larger narrative arc uh, within the church that I think um, taps into the pain and the crying out that we're seeing. On so, so much of our scripture speaks to this um, desperate need for justice and mercy for God to show up. And I just hope and pray that... Um, where we as uh, particularly white folk who are trying to be the best allies we can be uh, will trust others to show us where God is when we have the inability because of whatever lens or mask we wear um, to see where God is.
2: You just said this idea of like burning buildings and how it, you know, it doesn't feel like it's a good thing or whatever. I don't know exactly. It doesn't feel like it's, Productive. It? Productive.
1: productive it right. doesn't feel productive for me but right. i'm not gonna say it's not productive right
2: yeah and i've been i've been just sitting with that for a second now and you know i, I gotta think that obviously flames and red are the color of pentecost mm. and you know and and you gotta assume that in the time it didn't feel productive either right like totally. and so just sitting with that image of watching buildings burn and think like Oh, this is just, you know, unproductive and terrible and who would do that? And I actually posted something about it and had somebody say on my Facebook wall that like, well, when people start burning and looting, like they become the oppressors themselves. And I was like, I don't think that's what the word really means. You keep using this word. I don't think you. Right. Right. But, but, you know, like. It's a Nice. Right. You get this. You know, especially in Luke, you get this idea of fire being a refining aspect Mm. rather than a destructive aspect. And who who gets to make the judgment of what's refining versus what is destructive? Mm. Or are they ever always one and not the other? You know, like maybe they are. (laughs) I don't know. But it's making me really sit with that and really think through this of like what is being refined in the midst of burning buildings versus what is being destroyed.
0: Well, I think Victoria's Children's Time spoke well to that too. Yeah. This this notion of farmers um, burning a field to mm-hmm. get rid of the the dross, get rid of the mm-hmm. the like clutter and deadness, um, and that fire puts nutrients back in the soil. Totally. Right. right. It breaks down on a molecular level what needs to be destroyed so that new crops mm-hmm. can grow. Totally. Um, I I thought that was really cool and i i felt like i was watching for a very brief moment when i was watching victoria yesterday doing the children's time i felt like i was watching a mr rogers episode the way that she looked right into the camera and she said um i just want to tell you my friends that i really miss you i've been really sad um i cried most of the day yesterday and it's okay if you feel that way too Mm -hmm. i was like "Ugh, this is this is mr rogers that's right?" right talking directly to them in ways that they can understand but not oversimplifying the importance of talking about it.
1: I think that's the balance when we do when we do ministry with kids is not assuming that they cannot handle certain things. I mean, you know, Victoria and I kind of talked about some of the language that she was going to use around this, and she did a really good job of um, of really uh, walking the tightrope, right? I mean, we had this discussion: Are we going to say that the officer killed a black man, and then what does that do around issues of death, and how do we have those conversations with our kids? But we can't just say there was a fight, right? That someone got really hurt, and um, and I think she did an incredible job, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's um, that's important as we continue to try to navigate this space that we're really intentional about the words. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the, um, the story times go, uh, in yeah. June of, you know, getting kids, uh, to sit down and read books around race. Me too. So
2: yeah, it honestly inspired me to have, I had the news on yesterday afternoon and usually I, Usually Jesse wants me to turn it off, like whenever the kids come around, yeah. but I left it on for a little while. And, and my oldest one, Nora, who's seven, was like, what, why are they on the streets? What's happening? You know? Yeah. And like, she had a little bit of an idea, but, but then I explained to her, you know, like there was a, a black man who was killed by a police officer and, you know, it was a really sad and unjust thing. And of course, and she's like, what's unjust mean? You know, and like there's yeah, totally. a million questions, but you know, at what age is it appropriate to start having those conversations and if I'm not going to be the one to tell her, who is it going to be the neighbor who tells her, you know, like it's just, it's tricky. So
0: it's so hard, especially because mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even want to watch the news much less to ascribe right. it to a kid, you know, like yeah. it's too much for me to handle. Right. Like, <laughs> um, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot right now. And I it's think, um, how we care for our kids, but also empower our kids is, is, is um, is important. Right, we don't want to just shelter them yep. from from the reality because then 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 we're late to the game, right? Mm-hmm. They're late to the game processing, or or if we shelter the truth from our children, uh, they will find another truth that is uh, easier to digest and more palpable, and then maybe we're not ever making the progress we need to make generationally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's complicated. I just the resolve of kids is incredible anyway, and um. And it's something I'm learning uh, to trust, um, yeah. and I am uh, I'm I'm proud to be at a church where we where uh, we're honoring our kids the best we can. Um, I want to not to shift gears away from this, but really to build on what Victoria was saying in, in this theme of fire. I just uh, when we we're talking about the 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 Lucan author using fire, actually Jesus says uh where is it it's in Luke 12 I think um like Jesus is talking about bringing fire I I think he says something like I have come to bring fire on the earth and and then his next statement is and how I wish it was already prepared or kindled like Mm -hmm. There is this notion that um, that as Christians we follow the one who um, who did come to uh, to disrupt and to set ablaze um, a whole host of systems and institutions that have um, that have uh, routinely failed to honor the marginalized and oppressed, especially in the Gospel of Luke I just... I want to sit I with guess, that
2: i guess preach for somebody one time and that was the text that i got i was like oh gosh thank you for uh, inviting me to come preach when this is the text
1: <laughs> yeah what is that i i i only know like that kind of um that verse like what what else is embedded in that text
2: no i mean that's that was the, the crux of my sermon was like a look at luke and how luke uses fire throughout the majority of both the gospel and acts and how it's typically a refining fire that brings about something new in new life as opposed to just destruction, but recognizing that like in new life comes, there's death that comes with it, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's not a, it's a, it's a hard thing to put into a sermon, right? That's why I love to teach way more than preach. Cause how do you fit all of that into a 15 minute? Not sermon well. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. totally. So, um, but yeah, that was kind of the crux of, of what I had to try to squeeze in there mm-hmm. it was a, a lesson in Luke's use of fire.
1: That's awesome.
0: Well, so again, not to shift but to stay in this phil you said something really fascinating when we were chatting right before we started recording um about Mitchell's use of what was it? Soul, soul rot? rot. I
1: I don't think I I said rotting the soul. I don't think I d- described the, the 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 I don't think soul rot was like a noun I used, was it? I think it?
2: you said soul begins to rot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I written down. Totally. But I just couldn't get away from this idea of soul rot.
0: <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. It is.
2: Uh,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take your thoughts first. Like, do you think the soul can rot?
2: Well, I mean, that's a big question. I was so curious <laughs> guess, about it. Guess preach Phil. Come on. Hey, guess go preach. on now. <laughs> I was so curious about it. Cause I just never heard the idea, the concept of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the soul in general and the metaphysical aspects of sure. that. And then to say, like, to take something that's so physical, like the idea of rotting, you know, mm-hmm. and then applying it to something that is metaphysical. And right. so there was a lot of complexity in that statement in and of itself. Um, sure. And you, when you think about the the body rotting, like, that's obviously one thing we think of, but you just don't think about the soul rotting. And then I started to think about it in your sermon yesterday, like, what are the things? And then this idea of unused grace, like, I hadn't really ever thought about that either. And so those were, were concepts that really challenged me that I would have never expected on a Pentecost Sunday. And so you, you caught me off guard in, in what you brought there. And so I was really curious where you came up with the idea or the concept of that.
1: Yeah. Um <clears throat> I just I think we do a poor job of connecting the body to the soul in general, and so we live in this dualistic world, and, and um, we think the soul is somehow a you know, separated from our bodies. I'm not sure I buy that, um, and I'm not sure it's biblical. Um, and so, if we think of the soul as occupying our body um, or a part of our body. Then, then I think it opens the door for more uh, physi, physiological, uh, attributes or um, processes being applied to the soul. Um, But I, I'm just, I'm a big believer that, um, you know, like stuff doesn't just sit idle, like whether it's in our bodies or really anywhere. Like everything is decomposing, or right, like you're either i'll take the rocket because i love spacex like you're either being propelled upward or you have a trajectory downward there is no like just floating right unless you're truly at zero gravity and in space right so like our whole process is either we're being born again over and over again or we are slowly dying and i think like this notion Very of, of you too i know um and so i've i've i just yeah, I think like when we when we have the access and the ability to understand that God's grace is not only a gift but it is an empowerment, and then we choose to do nothing with it, um, it is not it doesn't become bland, it just becomes unused uh, potential, and it, it's not like that mellows out. It's not like it loses power. I would still say it has a tremendous amount of power. It just becomes something that. um that can rot away at our process of sanctification, our soul, um, our communities when we, uh, when we hoard grace and do not use it.
0: It's also, I mean, I always tend to relate things to science, right? And so this, um, the second law of ther- thermodynamics is that everything moves toward entropy. Mm-hmm. And so this notion that if something is not intentionally used, it begins to decompose begins to tend toward entropy and like Mitchell you mentioned that Brene Brown talks about this unused creativity Mm -hmm. right if if we don't use the and Jesus talks about it too right if we don't use our talents we bury them right they're going to become a weight and a burden instead of a gift to the world sure yeah
1: I would say that's biblical this notion that the soul is somehow pristine and protected because we said the believer's prayer one time uh, is not a helpful way of understanding grace and our call to action as, as Christians.
0: I do wonder, though, I mean, I love it as a metaphor. I wonder, does talking about unused grace commodify grace, that there is a specific mm-hmm. amount that we then have to use which tends to go against what I believe is like the unbounded nature of grace. Totally.
1: I think what's, what's beautiful is that like, this isn't a claim about what God's uh, does. Um, This is a claim about what we do. And so like, Mm. I think God's a, grace is from a place of abundance and here's the good news and the good news we need to continue to proclaim is that like, Hey, you can waste it all you want and you can be really broken by that wasting of grace. In fact, your soul can rot, but I'm not saying that that is a permanent state that we can, we have access to more grace. There's always more grace. Um, and we can learn to, to trust in, in God's grace to restore us. Um, but I I do think like for us as individuals, yeah, there's a, um, there's a, um, you know, a, an amount of grace that we are given that it go if it goes unused, I think it can do damage within our souls and within our bodies and within our, our communities that oh. we're part of. But I do think that God yeah. continues to pump huh, grace. There's an unlimited amount of grace in the world. It's just a matter of, but we can't have any more of it if we don't actually ex. Use it either, right? Like if it's like a gas tank, I know all metaphors reach their limits, but say I fill up my car, I leave it in the in the carport, and I never drive it. That gas will eventually break down and start to rot, right? But if I never use it, it is just going to sit there, and eventually it won't run. If I use it and continue to fill it up, I want to talk about a cup or whatever. Like we we do that work, um, knowing that there's more grace to be had because we're going to need it um, when we ex- when we use it. Um,
0: well, Phil, and, what were you say? Well Sorry.
2: there's like this this concept of breath wind spirit right this whole thing we've talked about some and and the same is true with with breathing yeah. right like imagine if all you did was just breathe in and just held it and never yeah. breathed out yeah right like you <laughs> totally. you one you can't do it right and like it's a process of of receiving in and then also pushing back out and that's what keeps this whole world basically Alive, right? Is the the continued recycling of that, and and what good is grace if we just receive it, take it in, and don't put it back out?
1: I mean, okay, and then yeah, if we're talking about breath, uh, we connect it to the world, right? So we, we know George Floyd's uh, cries for I can't breathe. We also are in the midst of a pandemic that that robs people of their breath. Right. I am thinking then, you know, we as disciples have a responsibility for folks who cannot breathe, for folks who cannot use their grace. Like we then are the respirators or we are the ones who at least connect the respirator to people. Right. Because like we can breathe on behalf of other people. It is possible. We do CPR all the time. We uh, I mean, that is something we can do. And so maybe the church's role really is to not be the the one who decides like a good physician, doesn't decide who is treatable or not treatable but does everything they possibly can to pump breath into the bodies of uh, folks who can't breathe for themselves.
0: Whew, man, this is good. Like Holy if,
1: Pentecost right if there.
0: God is the great physician, it's not up to us to, to decide who gets the respirator. It's right. up to us to be the respirator. God gets to decide who needs the breath. Yeah, and we we are called to be the respirators.
1: Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I at least the one the technician who stands next to it and pushes the button and monitors it right and mm-hmm. and adjusts it. And you know, I you know, I don't there's always this push pull how much like uh how much agency do we have in this and how much are mm-hmm. we by standards? But how whatever the metaphor works out, like we are called at least to be by the bedside table. Um mm-hmm. and and I think like that is um that is our call as Christians, and that then pushes us out into the streets because there are people out there that can't breathe, and um, for a lot of reasons, um, some because of a horrible virus, and some because there's still uh, a racist police brutality that exists in the world, and so we've got to—we don't get to choose which one we care for. Mm.
0: And I would—I would challenge us to extend that too—is. We may be called to be the respirators for the white police officers. Totally. Right. Yep. We totally. may be called. I actually, I know that we're called to do that too.
1: Yeah, we we um. literally don't get to choose, right? right? Like that's the that's the thing that sucks about being a Christian. Because <laughs> I want to choose all the time.
0: What did I right. sign up for? I know. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> but no, that's a good reminder, Rebecca. We don't. We don't. We don't right. get to choose. And right? and I mean, and,
0: and I think uh, what I feel so convicted by every time this happens and unfortunately it happens a lot right I mean I've only been at white Rock for five years and we have we've had these these sermons these litanies right I remember lighting the candles for um Charleston the Charleston the victims in Charleston and I got so many comments most of them really uplifting but some of them confused um why we lit a candle for um the shooter the perpetrator yep. yeah yeah and i said you know i didn't know this language because we hadn't had this podcast yet but what would it have been like for me to say you know we don't get to choose who gets god god's that's light right. we're called to light a candle for them that's right no when we're i was in, to, yeah
1: totally we don't get yeah. to choose it's it's one of the things that like i don't have very many themes of my 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 faith but i when i was in high school um i was a big protest dude um in rockwall on the square and and then a different variety of uh you know anti-war protest in Dallas Hmm. um I had a bunch of shirts made because I worked at a place where I could make shirts so I I made some shirts and one of them was that Jesus loves Saddam which was really inflammatory and got me put into in school suspicion uh suspension um but wow yeah uh I also had one that said God bless Iraq in red white and blue um so like I have like you know this is part of my past um but but at that moment it, it was a theological claim um that i was making along with trying to you know uh piss off my uh marine uh principle but um but the truth is like we don't get we do not get to choose the scripture is very clear like we do not we do not get to choose and and if we trust what the scripture says God's love is for all people, and um, and talking That's about Holy the spirit's
2: this, non-discriminatory as well,
0: right? Right. I was gonna say that loops us right back into the Pentecost, the Pentecost story, story. Is pour out, you know, pour out your spirit, spirit on upon, all, all, flesh, p- all flesh, all flesh. Right? I mean, I loved the. So we asked. Stella and Shelley and Adrian to read the scripture and kind of weave them together sort of in a, a microcosm of what the scripture needs to be for us is many voices bringing their own interpretations and inflections to this story um, but yeah the the book of Luke acts quoting the prophet Joel mm-hmm. and saying I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your young men and your young women your old men and your young men your you know, even slaves, Slaves. Slaves. even slaves, right. Even the oppressed. Yeah. It's beautiful. Sorry. There's someone building a fence right outside my, my window. I'm going to mute myself.
1: So, so, so someone's building a fence outside of Rebecca's house, Phil, and someone's building a new home right across the street street. and at the church, someone's building a a huge, uh, a huge house right across our alley. Just build, build, build,
0: lots of building going on. Yep. That. yeah that house is is like right across from my office it's actually been kind of cool to watch it like be rebuilt
1: yeah i'm just hoping they rebuild rebuild the fence uh mm, too yeah Go along <laughs> with it well friends we have we have pushed the bounds of time but that is okay we as are as the spirit does we are <laughs> clocking in at 40 sheesh good work team if you've made it to the end congrats <laughs> thank you Thank you for sticking <laughs> with us. I don't know
0: if he's talking to us or our listeners. Uh, <laughs> yes. I
1: don't have any bag of corn nuts for you this time, but um, <laughs> but I, I won't give you a gift. I'll just give you my um, my Undying gratitude. gratitude. Yeah. yeah, and blessing. All right, friends, uh, we will see you all pretty soon. I think
0: this coming Sunday. Yeah, we start yeah. a new series this Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Yeah. Take care, y'all. All
2: right, bye, bye y'all.
1: You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.